You're listening to United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Kamado Joe, Thermopen, and Smokewood Shack. ProQ's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow, and gravity-fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. When smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermapen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermapen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. This week's show, we've got Pete Phillips from Fabulous Barbecue. Hey, Pete, how are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Great, thanks for coming on. You, I, I, I keep saying this, and I keep saying this again. Is that nearly every podcast that we get on now, I'm always at the beginning going, "We've been trying to get you on for ages and ages," and I seem to say that at the intro of nearly every podcast now. So perhaps I'll just stop saying that now. Everyone gets the picture. <laughs> We we want people, and it's sometimes hard to get hold of them. <laughs> um, but you well, you guys are just the very, when it's a barbecue. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> I was going to say you guys are not making excuses. You're very busy people, so <laughs> it's all yeah. good from that side. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are and what fabulous barbecue is? Yeah, I've been a caterer for about twenty years and worked for a number of like kind of high end caterers. But um, I had the opportunity to buy a company from an old friend of mine called Rodney, which was called Roastmaster, which was a hog roast company. And uh, I took it over and developed it into the fabulous barbecue with uh, Helen, my girlfriend, joining me to uh, help kind of like build it up to, you know, we're a corporate barbecue caterer, you know, specializing in events rather than doing kind of street food or any of that kind of thing. Yeah, so you, I've seen you do like really pretty cool and a lot of like high end events and just all sorts of different stuff, and it's it's quite a different company I think to like most when you say like barbecue catering, everyone's got like a specific vision of what that is. But I, from the pictures I see of you guys, you kind of do stuff a little bit differently. I kind of when I when I came across the company. As I say, it specialised in doing hog roast, but they had this amazing Brazilian rotisserie machine that they never really used. And I looked at this thing and I just thought, that's the ultimate barbecue machine. And I started to research the kind of menus with like picanha, beef being the traditional one from Brazil, and uh, 
different chicken thighs on it and things like this. But as I started to research all these things, I then started to find the kind of asados, which kind of like Tom Bray's making. And then I came across the kind of procues. And all of a sudden, I, I had this thing of like, everyone comes to you as a barbecue caterer and they just have in their mind that you kind of do burger, sausage and chicken. And that's kind of it. <laughs> and we will yeah. do that. And it is lovely. But I wanted to try and bring to people a kind of a bit more imagination, a bit more creativity, and just bring a kind of wow factor of the different ways that barbecuing's done around the world. Definitely, and I think you definitely do that. You've got, like you said, there's quite a few different bits of kit you mentioned there, and I've seen all sorts of different stuff that you're cooking on. Tell us a little bit about the sort of equipment you've got. So we've got Pro-Q's for our smoke inside, and we've got one of the big ones, which I've kind of forgotten the name of it now. And then I bought uh, three uh, Pro-Q Elites. Um, but we've also got the two Brazilian rotisserie machines that I've spoken about, which are amazing, which should normally be in a churrasco restaurant. Um, we've then got the asado, um, perfect for lamb and perfect for beef ribs. And then also we've got Lacaja China roast box, which is quite unusual, which is kind of, I guess I kind of call it a reverse barbecue because the charcoal goes on the top and the hogs inside. So it's really unusual that all the kind of, you'd think all the heat would rise up, but the barbecue box just gets to this incredible temperature and it's just fantastic for doing hogs. Mm, amazing. I never never really heard of that. I suppose it's like a, a Dutch oven or something there when you put the charcoal on top for, for like a, a stew or something like that. It works as well. So I guess it's sort of similar to that. Is that like, the, like the Cajun uh, microwave thing? Is that the same sort of thing? I'm not sure. Do you again what? I think Marcus had a Cajun microwave and I think that was the same sort of thing where it was a big box and you build your fire up on the top of the box. Yeah, it's 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 a really unusual way to do it. As far as I'm aware, it was the Cubans saw the Chinese when they came across to build the railways and saw them dig a pit and put the coals on top. And they thought, well, that's a really cool way to do it, but it's a bit of a pain digging a pit every time. So they built, they copied it by building a box and doing it that way. And uh, yeah, this company now produces them, and that fan- they're a great piece of kit. We use them at Cambridge Folk Festival for the uh, Car- North Carolina Tourist Board when he did their uh, promotion. Awesome. So tell, tell us a little bit more about that event. They came to us. They wanted... Their, one of the main artists from North Carolina was uh, headlining the uh, Cambridge Folk Festival this year, and they wanted to do something more than just kind of have an information point. So they asked us to create a North Carolina barbecue, which, of course, I decided that I would just create my own version of like what is very traditional over there. And they do whole hogs, but they do it on top of the embers. So they spend all night putting these embers underneath. And, of course, yeah. there's no way I could do that. And it cost my client about £20,000 to do it. So um, what I ended up doing was uh, I used the Pro-Q's, and did like a 16-hour pulled pork. And then at the festival, I had the Lacaja Chinas, and I did whole hogs. And then I mixed the two meats together. So I had this mad idea to create this combination of like the pulled 
and the kind of more traditional hog roast. Um, and yeah, served it to a load of North Carolina people who turned around and said it was the best North Carolina barbecue they ever had, which was a bit <laughs> kind of like, oh, okay then. <laughs> they did, did a good job then. Those guys take some convincing, don't they? Well, they all seem they look. They all seem to enjoy it, and uh, you know, it was it's, it was an amazing thing. The only the only slight problem with it is that you kind of lose the visual of the hog, and that's the only yeah. bit that takes a bit of the the kind of wow factor away. But when you bring someone up and like open the box to show them, they're completely blown away <laughs> with what's happening inside. Yeah. What flavor-wise is it? Just really good at like locking the moisture in there, I guess. Yeah, you mean absolutely. You mean and also, but also the other thing is what you do. You put the drip trays underneath, and all the juices that do come out, you get to save those, and then you put like you basically you pull it in a traditional way, but then you can get all those juices back into the mix, and it's yeah, just fantastic. Just very moist, and actually the skin is fantastic. Fantastic as well. Some really good crackling. Hmm, interesting. It is the it is the Cajun microwave thing that Mark, that Marcus had. Yeah, same 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 uh, same sort of thing. Right. Yeah, you know, I've never I've never actually seen one in use. So, so yeah, it would have been really cool to see because uh, I think Marcus is like wooden as well around the box was. Was made yeah, out these of wood are wooden and... as well. Like, it's just kind of like really bizarre. You just everyone just turns around and goes, "Isn't it going to burst into flames?" And it's like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> I hope not." <laughs> hope not. <laughs> awesome. So the fir- the first time that um, I kind of discovered you guys was when I saw lots of social media posts around the fact that you were going to be doing a. Did you, I don't know if you call it a mile high or a sky high, but you basically did a barbecue that was suspended above the River Thames. Yeah, so I decided it was going to be called the Sky High Barbecue. And we've got a really cool client, which is called Kenshu, who's like very much involved in sales on uh, the internet. And they had a new concept, and they were saying that it was like taking your marketing to new heights. So for the day, they booked the events in the sky. It's also called the Dining in the Sky platform. And it's basically a platform that will hold 24 people around the outside, four people in the middle of it. It's attached to a crane, and it goes up to 100 feet. Now, of course, when my client turned around to me and said, what do you think, Helen and Pete? I was like... I am so excited. I can't wait to do a barbecue on it. And it <laughs> never crossed my mind that to do a barbecue at 100 feet would be something that was a bit crazy. And they might go, uh, we've got a couple of issues. And their first issue was they felt the charcoal at 100 feet was not a good idea, which I kind of thought, oh, okay, then. And then they said we couldn't have gas. And the only thing that they'd give me was electric. So I had to use electric barbecues at 100 feet in the air. Oh, really? That's annoying. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but what we did was I got, there, I got there about 6 in the morning. The first flight was about 1. And uh, I brought my Pro-Qs in. And I set up an area. And we had three Pro-Qs, a barbecue offset, a barbecue mate's offset, uh, a half barrel, and we had all of this barbecue equipment, all the charcoal and everything going on the ground. 
And then when the platform was ready to go, we really used the electric barbecues more as a kind of holding cupboard, hot cupboard type thing. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, and then when we went up to the 100 feet, that allowed us to like... So some people on social media said we weren't barbecuing on it, and we kind of, we were. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the, main, the real magic was happening on the ground, as always. Yeah, so you just you got you got to serve your barbecue up in the sky, and you were barbecuing, but not with charcoal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I loved the you know I came up with this idea to do uh, beef four ways from four different UK farms. So when the people first sat down on the platform, they had um, oh it's gone out of my head um, a of beef. So the capaccio beef already on the table and like little pots with like crudités and edible dirt in it for the starter. And then when we went up to 100 feet, we then had three little salads on the side and then we had uh, 16-hour pulled uh, beef and then we had smoked beef cheeks and also we did uh, beef ribs, all of which had been done in the smokers. So it was kind of like, as I say, it was like beef four ways, and everyone loved it, which was really That's nice. It was very cool that it worked. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I mean, yeah, so 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 cool. And I was I was wondering things like the logistics of like, what if it's windy? Does like, is it hard to like stop all your food blowing away and stuff like that? Well, one of the things that they said was obviously because they've got a real health and safety is that if the platform starts spinning around, that they can't actually go up. And if it's too rainy or it's lightning, obviously because you're on a metal platform attached to a, gr- uh, a crane, they won't fly. So we were really lucky. We ended up with a really regular day, bit of sunshine, not too hot, tiny bit of breeze. So, yeah, so it really it worked out for us, which was, which was very fortunate because it would have been, it would have been a great shame if it hadn't happened because I was so excited about it. Yeah, yeah I imagine. I mean, it's probably one of pretty much one in a lifetime, once in a lifetime opportunity to get up there and do something like that. That's exactly what I thought. You know, it was one of those things that, as I say, it never crosses it never crosses my mind that there might be a challenge with something. It's just I just kind of go. Well, you just need to work out the logistic. What you want at the end of it is some really cool barbecue, 100 foot in the air. So before that, you've got a month or whatever to work out the logistics to, like, get equipment and work out how you're going to put really cool barbecue 100 feet in the air. Um, so, yeah, so we, yeah, it was, it, was, it was fantastic. I doubt we'll ever get it to do it, to do it again. Um, so, yeah, it was a one-off. It was magic. Awesome. Definitely got Ben talking. Ben was telling me about it for ages, and we were talking about it for for such a long time. So, so it got even it got us talking. So I'm sure it got a lot of people talking. Well, we got a night. We got a really nice feature in the Evening Standard because we had this incredible uh, caterer called Johnny Roxburgh come along and join us, and also um, we put it in for the Campaign Event Awards on November the first. We're shortlisted with five other people and we might win an award for it which would be even cooler <laughs> awesome happy days yeah it's very cool so that i guess one of those things that i was going to say like have you got a bucket list of 
of awesome places you'd like to barbecue but i don't even think that i'd have even thought up that idea to go there <laughs> but what have you got anything else that you think that's going to be super awesome lined up for you at the moment we at the moment we haven't we haven't got much because we're we're running out of the season i mean we were lucky enough like about 18 months ago that we got taken down to monaco and we did a dinner with um his serene highness the prince of monaco in attendance and helen always jokes that i'm probably the only person that's ever been introduced to him and shaking his hand with a pair of knackered old converse trainers on but that's the way i barbecue <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> barbecue shoes <laughs> exactly you know i wasn't gonna put on a suit and like ruin it while i'm barbecuing you know it was just like <laughs> if he wants to shake the hand of a barbecue then it needs to be a barbecue outfit he's gone yeah, I've ruined some very good pairs of shoes I have where I've not really thought it through and I've been like, oh, I better dress smart for the occasion and then just got like grease and fat dripped all over my nice shoes. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, no matter what you think of how you're going to end up doing something, I now know that I'm always going to end up jumping on the barbecue and doing something really silly if I'm in really nice clothes. So, yeah. So now I've kind of got my old blacks that I wear and, yeah, and it's just like, take take me as you find me type thing. I'm a barbecue caterer and that means charcoal and smoke. So, and as you say, a lot of grease. So don't wear anything too smart while you're doing it. So one of your concepts is barbecue, barbecue from around the world. Where, where do you uh, draw your inspiration from for that? And, and, and how do you come up with your dishes? Is it from travels? Is it from uh, maybe social media? Is it from previous catering uh, roles? Where does it all come from? A lot of it is just, I, I spend my time, I mean, probably like everyone else, you know, trawling through the internet, sitting up at night watching videos from different countries and things like this, keeping an eye on social media, seeing what kind of things that the kind of the guys like Tom are doing, anything new, looking out for that. But also as well, I'm hoping in January with the contacts I've made with the North Carolina Tourist Board, that they're going to like put me in touch with a lot of barbecue guys and finally i'm going to go across and do the kind of barbecue tour so i'm going to do three weeks going through north carolina south carolina a bit of tennessee as much as i can do really and just i really want to see how the kind of those kind of traditional boys do it i'm fascinated mm -hmm. to like i really want to go in there and spend a night with one of the boys while they're doing the hogs just through the night and working with the embers so yeah but i think yeah it's just kind of i just always on the lookout to see and if i if i see something i'll follow the route and like check out everything i can on it and but i'm pretty brave when it comes to just you know getting a piece of kit and then just making it work type thing yeah yeah that's the thing is you can do all the research you want but sometimes you just gotta gotta learn the field learn how to use it anyway so you can do all the research when it comes it's just getting down to it and and getting involved with it and just putting it out there but yeah so so that's pretty much awesome the the i was looking at this like the carson rodicio thing that uh you've got like this like the the automatic skewers that like rotate around I can just see a machine. I'm on your Instagram looking through you saying about uh, 
like a Brazilian barbecue kit that you've got. Is that like, is that yeah. the one? With, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basic, basically, it, it should be in a Brazilian restaurant, in a Churrasco restaurant, and it would normally be built into a wall. But this guy had put it onto wheels. And I came across it, you know, the skewers are three foot long. And at the end of the day, it's the ultimate barbecue machine. Because one of, one of the biggest problems for me with barbecuing is, especially on a flat griddle barbecue, you've got, you can go one and then flip it to the other side. So you've got kind of two movements on it. Whereas with the Brazilian rotisserie machine, because it's turning all the time, it's just turns all the time just keeping the, the heat just yeah. like so nothing burns like nothing properly really burns on it it's just if you keep an eye on it you put it on the bottom and you get a great temperature to sear the meat and then you move it up the top to the the next section the higher section and then you just let it slowly cook away and it's just especially for the picanha because you've got that layer of fat yeah. on it it's just, you know, it, the fat rends on it and it goes across the meat. So you just get this beautiful glaze and just the most amazing, just let it rest for a bit and then it's just a melt in the mouth. It really is a fantastic piece of kit. Yeah, it looks fantastic. I said it's, it's constantly spinning 360 degrees, so you've got that real even distribution of heat and a real even cook then, which, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and for the uh, UK MVAs this week, they're having jerk chicken. And rather than do the traditional way, then I'll marinate it up and I'll use thighs. And, you know, tomorrow I'll cook 600 thighs through on the Brazilian rotisserie machine without breaking a sweat because I can be working on other things, load up the machine, just leave it to do its thing and then just take the skewers off when they're ready. So, yeah, it's just it just makes life so much easier. Yeah, it looks like an awesome bit of kit. That's like an awesome bit of kit. Very impressive. Well, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky to have two of them, I'll have to say. I think there's only maybe four or five actually in the whole of the country. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a real privilege to work with a piece of kit like that. Cool. And you you mentioned that on your uh, your uh, sorry the barbecue in the sky uh, concept that you you got meat from four different farms and it was uh, it was like a celebration of beef and 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 where do you usually source your sort of uh, like products from? Do you are you uh, do you sort of develop relationships with farmers and stuff like that, or are you are you constantly looking at uh, sourcing new meat? Like, I, when I when I moved I moved out of London I moved to uh, my units in a little uh, outside a little village called Wicks which is in the middle of absolutely nowhere and I was driving down the road one day and I saw all these direct meat vans I was like oh that's a bit weird um, and I'd heard of direct meats delivering into London and what I discovered is they were prov they were supplying a lot of local meats from around here. And around here, we've got Dedham Vale, and the beef from Dedham Vale is absolutely amazing. We're right on the, the Suffolk border, and there's a Dingley Dell, and yes. Mark is just, he loves his pork, and he just yeah. produces the most amazing pork. So 
I think, I guess for me, I'm really lucky. It's like a lot of people, I, because of the quantities that I need to get when I need to get a lot, I kind of feel it's difficult to have that kind of relationship with a farm. But so basically what I decided was I need a good, strong middleman to make sure that they're doing the work. I'm still checking out the farms and things like this, but they're doing a lot of the research as well to make sure they've got a great product. But also, obviously, then I know I'm guaranteed that I can get delivery. Mm -hmm. You know, we've also, I happen to have like 10 minutes from the unit in Lawford, uh, Anglian Veg. And, you know, they source most of their vegetables from all around the Essex area. So, again, it's just this lovely thing of not having to go from farm to farm to farm to farm to find all the bits that I need but to have these guys who are like bringing in, you know, they've got microherbs coming in from Norfolk and things like this. So they're doing a huge amount of research all the time, which means I can concentrate on doing my barbecue yeah. and finding my cool barbecue kit, relying on them and knowing that they're bringing in fantastic. Because we really do believe, I think most people now are into this kind of thing, you know what I mean? Of sustainability. I love supporting British farms. You know what I mean? As much as I would, the the beef, the the picanha that comes from Brazil is far better because of the the fat layer. I, I'm still not going to import beef when I can get amazing grass-fed beef in the UK. You mean yeah. why would you do that? Yeah, no, no, exactly. That's that's really exactly what I thought, to be honest. But in your sort of volumes, you need that sort of air. Uh constant level of supply that you can rely on so yeah it must be difficult to or it would be impossible for you to to source individually from farms so yeah it sounds like you've got the the right idea there Definitely. so with I was, the with, I was, oh, sorry, sorry go i was just just gonna go back to the you know me i like to mention a vegetable whenever possible and uh, you said about where you get your your veg and stuff from but i've also remember seeing quite a few interesting vegetarian barbecue dishes on on your um, Instagram feed. So I wonder if you could tell us a bit about some of those options. Yeah, I think this, I think the, there's, a, there's a terrible thing, well, I think is a terrible thing anyway, that goes around the barbecue world. And it's this kind of thing of like, well, it's barbecue, it's like man food, it's got to be big bits of meat and things like this. But why? You know, it's like, if you're, especially for me, and I'm, you know, we do a lot of corporate events. Everyone at that company is special. So we always have, like, beautiful um, stuffed peppers that we do with lovely rice. We'll put vegan cheese in it so we know that both vegetarians and vegans can have it. We love doing, like, kind of, like, we've got a lovely mushroom stack that we do with, like, cooking through the mushrooms and then aubergine, courgettes, and uh, halloumi on top of it. If they feel they've got a few vegans, again, we'll use vegan cheese instead. But also the other thing is, is like we've always got what we call our green machine with us. So we, we always cook it separate, keep it separate, serve it separate, use separate tongs. Because a lot of the time I feel that people turn around and say, oh, it's a vegetarian meal. And they take a vegetarian portion and then they cook it right on where they just cooked the burger 
Now, for someone that's real vegetarian, it's no longer a vegetarian meal. And I, as I say, I think it's really special. It's really important to have everyone feel special and feel included when they come to a barbecue. You know, I mean, that's what we do. We should just bring pleasure to everyone, I think. Yeah, good. Yeah, you're, like you said, you're make, trying to make the event special for everyone. Yeah. There was something, didn't you guys try and do some sort of like world record attempt as well? We did try and do some world record attempt. We're still waiting to hear. Supposedly they can decide whenever they want. So a company called Fry's Family Foods got in touch with us. And they have been around for years and years and years. And they do um, vegetarian, vegan foods. And they decided that what they wanted to do was break the world record for the biggest vegan barbecue ever. So they got our details and they got in touch with us. So we went up to Birmingham, I think it was. Yeah, it was Birmingham. And we set up. And we had a thousand portions, which I think was 600 veggie burgers and 400 veggie or, or vegan burgers and vegan sausages. We got uh, vegan sauces and we got Curtis Brothers to come up and do their ketchup because they're vegan. And we had, yeah, they we had four hours to do it and we managed to do the thousand portions, I think, just under three hours. Awesome. And what so was it? Was it a new record, busy. or was there a record you had to beat, or you set? I don't a think there was. I don't think there was a record that we had to beat. Yeah, you're just setting they the kind record. Of, yeah, they set. They decided that obviously, you know, you could set a record at kind of like two hundred or something. It wouldn't be that no. impressive. No. But a thousand would be hopefully something that would be quite impressive. Yeah. So yeah, it was. It was really good fun. It was really. It was really different and you know, really unusual, and just to, like, have literally everything vegan. Lots of people just walking up, and it's like, hey, it's free. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> but it's vegan. But it's free. Have one. They're really nice. But every, you know, everyone enjoyed it. The fries guys were really lovely as well. And, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was, a, it was something so different. But, again, that's the thing. I'm really lucky. I, I, I love what I do, and also I love the fact that, the people that come to us, you know, sometimes we're on an island in the middle of the Thames, sometimes we're 100 foot above London, sometimes we're up in Birmingham doing the world's biggest vegan barbecue. It's always something different. It may, it's always barbecue, but it's always some kind of mad variant of barbecue. Yeah, and it's awesome. Keeps it's, it exciting. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, my my last, we're getting close to our half hour mark, and I just had one last question that was just going to be probably a super super geeky nerdy question. But I wonder, like, who do you use for your kind of your charcoal and your your fuel supplies? You have like a preferred supplier of charcoal, or do you are you just kind of going with whatever's available at the time? No, I kind of for a long time for a long time I was using terrible charcoal and going into macro and just buying what was there and then i happened to see a feed from a guy called uh bear barbecue keith and he was using the oxford charcoal company and i spoke to helen about it i drove down to see them and before i knew it they put a pallet of their charcoal on the back of a a, a van and (laughs) ever since i've used it 
It's the hardwood blend is it's fast to light, but also again, you know, for me, it's like I really believe that I don't want to find that the charcoal I'm using has been part of like chopping down forests that I never replaced. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can't the Amazon and things like this. Once it's gone, it's gone, and just to not worry about what charcoal you're using, I think it is is again is the wrong thing. It's yeah, so oxo charcoal all the way for me. Cool. Yeah, particularly when they use sustainable woodlands in the UK, you can't really be it, to be honest. I mean, they're they're fantastic guys, but it sounds like they just coerced you into doing it. They just loaded loaded <laughs> a pallet onto the back of your truck, and and that was it. Yeah, it was. We were in the middle of a chat, and we were talking about it, and the guy who was so working the, the behind guy, you with the <laughs> yeah, just uh, right, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, put, just put that power on the back of the van. And I was like, what? Wait, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Go on, then. <laughs> awesome. That's it. You're in. Yeah, well, well, it was obviously a smart move because I've used them ever yeah. since. So. Yeah, it worked. Good technique. I have to try that. Just put it on the van. <laughs> <laughs> Good sales technique. I'll try that next but time. But we also, you know, the other thing that's important for us is we use all our cutlery is vegware. So it's this um, specialist starch, which, again, is biodegradable, and all our plates are like palm leaf plates. So, again, wherever we can, we try and keep our footprint down and try and do, you know, if vegware cutlery is, like, so smart, it you know, people don't even realize that it's not like proper plastic. Yeah. So why would you use proper plastic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good stuff, that is. I, I try and do the same, always use that stuff. And Dan's the same. When we organized like Q-Fest, we made sure we use all biodegradable stuff for the Q-Fest stuff as well. Yeah, I went up to Q-Fest. It was really good. Not this time, but the one before with Mark. Oh, cool. Thanks very much. <laughs> uh, well uh, like i say thanks pete we're running over our time now and i don't want to take up too much of your okay, time no i know you're a busy guy and good luck with the next season i look forward to seeing some more awesome stuff coming out from you guys thank you very much no problem thank Speak you. To you soon cheers, cheers guys uh, before Bye. you go just let everyone know where they can find you on social media um, so we're at Fabulous BBQ, so BBQ, so, and that's our Twitter handle, our Instagram, we're on Facebook, uh, Pinterest, yeah, we're across all the medias, but at Fabulous BBQ. Awesome. Thanks again. Awesome. Speak soon. Thank you very much. Ciao. Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers. You're listening to United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by Pro-Q, Kamado Joe, Thermopen and Smokewood Shack. Pro-Q's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow and gravity-fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermopen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermopen. 
Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. 